Support for IPR comes from Orchestra Iowa, presenting the movie E.T., the extraterrestrial on the big screen, accompanied by the symphony orchestra performing the score live, May 3rd and 4th at 7.30 at the Paramount. Tickets at orchestraiowa.com. Today is Tuesday. It is the 18th of October. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Democratic candidate for Iowa Governor Deidre DeGier said during a debate last night that she wants Iowa to have the same protection for abortion rights that Roe v. Wade offered. I want to codify Roe in our state um, because that had the, region, the, 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 the reasonable restrictions with exceptions that most of America agreed upon. Roe protected the right to abortion before a fetus is able to survive outside the womb. The debate on Iowa PBS was the only debate in the governor's race this year. Republican Governor Kim Reynolds says she wants to do everything she can to protect the unborn, but she's declined to say publicly how far she'd go with an abortion ban. She says she's waiting to see how a judge rules on her request to revive a ban on most abortions after about six weeks of pregnancy that she signed into law in 2018. We'll have more on the debate later in the show. Today's televised second congressional district debate between Republican incumbent Ashley Henson of Marion and Democratic challenger State Senator Liz Mathis of Hiawatha is canceled. In a release, Iowa PBS says it was due to, quote, unforeseen circumstances regarding candidate availability. Henson was admitted Sunday into Unity Point St. Luke's Hospital in Cedar Rapids to treat a kidney infection. According to the campaign, Henson is feeling better but is still undergoing treatment and will remain in the hospital. Mathis wished her a speedy recovery. What was supposed to be their second debate was not rescheduled. According to Iowa PBS, the campaigns were offered options for rescheduling prior to the midterm election, and none of those dates were mutually acceptable for the campaigns. A new study suggests Iowa workers are underpaid by at least $900 million a year. Common Good Iowa, the group issuing the report, calls that wage theft. Sean Finn, the report's author, says an estimated 250,000 Iowans are impacted. That means that on average, one in seven workers in Iowa are shorted $300 a week. Finn says some workers are not paid the overtime they're owed or their employers fails to follow minimum wage laws. Other full-time workers are misclassified as independent contractors, which Finn says let the employer avoid paying taxes and benefits. The Iowa Workforce Development Agency is using part of a federal grant to investigate businesses that may be misclassifying employees as independent contractors. Last year, the agency collected a quarter of a million dollars to settle 341 claims over unpaid or underpaid wages. The federal website where some current and former students may apply for college loan forgiveness launched Friday night. And University of Iowa President Barbara Wilson says for several weeks, the university's financial aid office has been fielding calls from students making preparations. Trying to figure out if they qualify under what what respects, whether they qualify for 10 or for 20,000, um, and, and we're there for them to try to help them sort it out. Wilson said during an episode of Iowa Press on Iowa PBS that she's unsure how many current students on her campus qualify. Iowa State University President Wendy Winterstein says 43 percent of ISU students graduate without debt on an earlier episode of the show. According to the Biden administration, over 400,000 Iowa borrowers are eligible for student loan forgiveness, and 61 percent of them are Pell Grant recipients who qualify for $20,000 in debt forgiveness. 
And the Polk County Supervisors plan to vote today on a proposal to rename the Polk County Justice Center after John Sarcone, who is retiring after 32 years as county attorney. A resolution to rename the building at 222 Fifth Avenue will go before them later today. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Democrat Deidre DeGere and Republican Governor Kim Reynolds disagreed on abortion policy, imminent domain use, and tax cuts during a debate hosted last night by Iowa PBS. It's the only televised debate in the Iowa governor's race this year, as Reynolds has refused to do three debates like she did in 2018. IPR's Katerina Sestarek has more on what Reynolds and DeGere had to say in their one hour on stage together. Republican Governor Kim Reynolds has barely mentioned her Democratic opponent, Deidre DeGere, throughout her re-election campaign. She's instead focused her attacks on President Joe Biden. But when it came to one of the biggest topics of this election cycle, abortion, Reynolds turned to DeGere to ask a question. Do you believe in late-term abortion? That's a really good question. And, And what I believe is that my personal belief has no space in a woman's doctor's appointment. When she goes into that doctor to make a decision that's within her best interest, that that is her decision. Reynolds accused DeGere of supporting so-called late-term abortions. DeGere pointed out the vast majority of abortions aren't later in pregnancy, and she suggested this policy for Iowa. I want to codify Roe in our state. Um, because that had the, region, the, 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 the reasonable restrictions with exceptions that most of America agreed upon. The Roe v. Wade decision that was overturned this summer protected the right to abortion before a fetus is able to survive outside the womb. Reynolds said she's pro-life. I believe we should do everything we can to protect the life of the unborn. But she's declined to say publicly how far she'd go with an abortion ban. Reynolds signed a bill into law in 2018 to ban abortions after about six weeks of pregnancy with exceptions. A judge ruled it unconstitutional and it never took effect. With the ruling on Roe v. Wade, we've asked the courts to revisit that. And so that's where we're going to put our efforts into making that bill actually become law. And so We'll wait until the courts rule, but that's where the fight is right now. Reynolds and DeGere also disagreed on how to respond to some Iowa landowners' concerns about eminent domain use by private companies. Three companies are proposing pipelines across the state that would capture carbon emissions from ethanol plants and transport the carbon out of state. Some landowners are refusing to give up a portion of land for these pipelines and are worried state regulators will allow companies to use their land without their consent. DeGere said she would have championed a bill proposed Posed in the last legislative session to block the use of eminent domain for private projects. I, I believe that the landowner uh, should have power in this in this situation because they put their blood, sweat, and tears into their land. Reynolds said she would support the laws that are on the books and that eminent domain should only be used as a last resort. She has promoted the carbon capture pipelines as a way to support the biofuels industry. 55% of our corn goes to ethanol plants today. And if they lose that, if we lose the renewable fuel industry, that will have a tremendous impact on farmers. Reynolds touted the sweeping tax cuts she signed into law this year that'll start to take effect in January. And she highlighted the nearly $2 billion budget surplus the state was left with at the end of the last fiscal year. 
Dejir said most Iowans will eventually see a tax cut of about $55 a month, and that doesn't resolve issues with the state's education and mental health systems. You know, we see the degradation to our education system happening right before our eyes. We're asking our systems to do more with a lot less. We're seeing that in corrections. We're seeing that in health care and mental health care services. That surplus is evidence that the Iowa taxpayer dollar is not going to work. It's just being hoarded. Reynolds said $55 a month matters to working families, especially in the face of high inflation and gas prices. She criticized Democrats. The bottom line is they think that they think that they know what to do with your money better than you do. They want to take your money and develop government programs instead of giving it back to Iowans and letting them choose what to do with their money. Reynolds says she's not done cutting taxes, but she didn't give details on her plans. A Des Moines Register Mediacom Iowa poll released the day before the debate found 52 percent of voters said they'd vote for Reynolds, 35 percent said they'd vote for DeGier, and 4 percent would vote for Libertarian Rick Stewart. Early voting begins tomorrow, and Election Day is three weeks away. I'm Katerina Sestarek, IPR News. And now we'll turn to preview another congressional race in Iowa this year. Early voting begins tomorrow, and Republican U.S. Representative Marionette Miller-Meeks is hoping to keep her seat in the southeast corner of the state. IPR's Zachary Orrin-Smith reports that this year she's aiming to build a safer margin of victory in a changed district. It's hard to overemphasize just how messy the race for Iowa's southeastern congressional district was in 2020. It was always close, but when an error caused the victors to swap, even Iowa's Secretary of State Paul Pate got involved in calling for a recount. This race is one of the closest federal races in the nation this year, and we want to make sure we get it right. There was the recount, the recount of the recount, arguments over whether they should be done by hand or machine or a mix of both. Campaign lawyers flocked to county courthouses, argued with election officials and one another. Yes, you did. I said there is not a process. You said there is no process. Votes were counted, votes were left uncounted, and at last there was a result. Over 400,000 Iowans in the district voted in 2020, and it all came down to just six votes. The occupancy of a minivan decided a federal election. And not a year later, it all started again. U.S. Representative Marionette Miller-Meeks launched her re-election campaign. I know the concerns of business owners, working families, farmers, and others who make their local communities what they are. And I have a special connection with so many people throughout the new first district. With overall high inflation, the Federal Reserve raising interest rates, and President Joe Biden's approval rating still south at 50 percent, a midterm election is staged to reward the Republican Party. But that doesn't mean this will be an easy run for Miller-Meeks against Democratic challenger State Representative Christina Bohannon. Karen Kudrowski directs the Carrie Chapman Cat Center for Women in Politics at Iowa State University. What we know about um, incumbency effects is that incumbency is very powerful. But the best time to unseat an incumbent legislator uh, in the House of Representatives is the first time that they're running for re-election, which is the case with Miller Meeks. Incumbency, while powerful, takes time to develop in the House of Representatives. Kudrowski says the junior representatives just haven't had the same chance to hold positions on powerful committees or bring home the bacon for constituents. Adding to the issue, the district has changed and redistricting cut out a block of eight counties she won handily in 2020, including her home county of Wapolo. She's now claiming residence in LeClaire. To secure her seat, Miller Meeks has a long list of items she hits on at rallies. 
inflation and gas prices are too high, the southern border is being overrun, the withdrawal from Afghanistan was a disaster, and transgender girls need to be kept out of girls' sports. They want you to reap what they sowed. And not only do they want you to pay for it with higher prices and higher taxes and less freedom, they want to blame you too. Bob Busolo of Davenport said Miller Meek's message on prices resonated with him. It's, everything's gone up. I mean, it's, it's not just a little bit. It's gone up tremendously. And uh, yeah, we forced the gas down for a little while, but it's going back up again now. Meanwhile, Democratic challenger State Representative Christina Bohannon has gone after Miller Meeks for voting against the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill and the Inflation Reduction Act. She's appealing directly to supporters of abortion access. The law professor from Iowa City says she's personally studied the history of Iowans who lost access to abortion prior to Roe v. Wade. These were horrific situations, and this was a time when abortion was illegal. So when we think about laws, we have to think about not just kind of what we think are good or bad laws or right or wrong laws, but are they effective at addressing the issue that they are meant to address? For Bohannon, reinstating a national right to an abortion is the clearest way to give patients the autonomy they need to make a hard decision on whether or not to terminate a pregnancy. She's attacked Miller Meeks for supporting the Life at Conception Act, which would have prevented anyone from aborting fertilized eggs. That bill lacked exceptions for abortions performed in cases of rape, incest, or to save the life of the mother, but Miller Meeks has said she supports these exemptions. Miller Meeks' campaign did not return questions from IPR clarifying whether her support for these three exemptions means she would only support abortion restrictions that explicitly contained them. Miller Meeks supports U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham's ban on abortions after 15 weeks. Caroline Martin is a Bohannon supporter and retired OBGYN. She said limits like 15 weeks or 22 weeks are arbitrary and run counter to her experience in the profession. Medicine is never black and white. So things like, you know, these proposed 15-week bans, six-week bans, for a doctor, that's ludicrous. Life and medicine is gray. It's like this beautiful gray territory. You can't make specific rules about it because there's exceptions all the time. Meanwhile, Dana Taylor in nearby Bettendorf said she finds abortions unconscionable, but she's comfortable with the compromise Miller Meeks supports allowing for abortions in cases of rape, incest, or to save the life of the mother. And it's my impression that most people, even though they say that they're against abortion, that they understand that certainly if it's the health of the mother, um, if the fetus is is not viable, I mean, there are all kinds of reasons why. There should be exceptions, and there should be exceptions to almost every rule within common sense. Republican Miller Meeks going after Biden for inflation and Democrat Bohannon going after Miller Meeks for restricting abortion didn't surprise Chris Larimer, a political scientist at the University of Northern Iowa. They get consumed by the national conversation, and then that's what we see happening in these congressional districts is that you have the congressional candidates mirroring the, the conversation that we hear at the national level over issues. For insight into who's pulling ahead, Larimer said to look at Scott County. When Democrats like Fred Hubble in 2018 and Rita Hart in 2020 did well in Scott, it tended to be a close election. Scott County's kind of been a county to, that to some extent is sort of a bellwether for, for the state. When you look at the margins in Scott County, it, it tends to give you a sense of the way that the state is going.
Iowa GOP Chairman Jeff Kaufman wants to keep the district in hand, and he too is looking to Scott County to wax his party's power. I, I think Scott's. I think Scott is going is up for grab from the Republican perspective. Scott County is the greatest potential that Republicans have and have had for a long time of possibly winning. Um, I believe that Marionette can win just by not losing big in Scott County. I do believe, though, that she has an opportunity to win Scott County. While candidates are spending ample time in Scott County, they will be darting around the entire district, hoping to carry it come Election Day. I'm Zachary Orrin-Smith, IPR News. To learn more about the races and issues in this midterm election, you can go to our website, IPR.org, and click on our voter guide. This is Here First from IPR News. You can find this podcast wherever you subscribe to them. I'm Clay Masters. Thanks for listening.